we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Just got a, pl- a penalty. Penalty this is great. Uh, <laughs> I don't hate the Patriots. A lot of people do, but uh, I'm kind of rooting for the Titans right now. Well, everybody root for the Titans then. Eh, I mean, if they lose, who cares? On to next week. All, all I really hope is that Seattle loses tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I don't want to play them again. Well, congrats! <laughs> congratulate you on. Destroying me in the final game where we headed off. Yeah, you had a good lead too, man. You fell apart that, that last, last week. Last game just crumbled, man. Yeah, and uh, I was in another league that was a similar situation where my team was super good, uh, but that team was only an eight team league, so it was kind of a joke. And my opponent's team just clicked better the last week. Like he had guys like Saquon Barkley and. Uh, um. Oh gosh, I'm gonna blank on his name now. The Rams running back Todd Gurley, uh, who just didn't do much all year, and then at the end of the season started coming on. So he beat me, but I didn't care because it really came down to just uh, caring about the 49ers winning at that point. Yeah, in real life football. Yeah, I was just happy to actually <laughs> do well. I was I was surprised I actually made it that far. I had some strong games at the end, and I was happy in the other league we yeah. have. Um, to have a, uh, you know, I'm, I didn't do good at all with the other league, and uh, I was in the constellation bracket. But in the constellation bracket, I did I did fairly well, so I was happy even to do that. It's, it's yeah, it's a, you it's actually saw so fun. It's a fun pastime. I couldn't believe that I won the league because I thought I was still in massive rebuild mode. Uh, I last year I was in the constellation bracket and I worked my way up to. The third overall pick, but the way we did it last year, the the team that won the first pick kept most of his team. You kept one more player than I did, so I actually had the first pick of the draft last year and took Josh Jacobs, which worked out pretty well. Uh, but what really made my team is early on, I knew I was desperate at running back. I had Melvin Gordon, who sat out a few weeks, and Austin Eckler was doing so good, I was starting to get nervous that Gordon wouldn't even get a chance. And... Um, I worked out a trade for Derrick Henry, who was starting off hot, but he ended last season hot, but nobody trusted Derrick Henry. Nobody thought that he was going to keep it up. And uh, so I traded uh, a boatload. I traded Matt Breda, who was looking like a solid option for the 49ers. Uh, I traded Darren Waller, who hadn't proven himself yet, but he ended up being the number three tight end in fantasy. Uh, so that was the best part of the trade. But And then I traded Jared Goff, who just did crap all year. So... I gave up a, a young quarterback with big aspirations. I was uh, lectured quite vehemently by one member of our league about giving up Goff. That was the part that he didn't like. But getting Henry made my team because he ended up being, I think, the fifth best running yeah. back. And uh, then when Gordon came back, he was a solid, no, you know, at least top 20 running back every week. So he was a starter every week. So I basically had three starting running backs to play, which... That's pretty much what uh, what kept me going, and 
I ended up pulling it out at the end. So I was pretty excited about that. But now this year, you have the number one pick. Hey. And we're doing it a little bit differently. So everybody will have uh, – everybody has to keep the same number of players on their team, which is the majority of their yeah. team. And uh, everybody will have three draft picks to fill their team out. And that's what we're going to do probably every year going forward. So that way everybody's drafting rookies, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that way everybody has a chance to keep improving their team. Because the thing that sucks is if your team is bad and you have to scrap everybody, your top few guys may be crap. But you might have really good guys deeper down having to throw them back every year as long as somebody else to snag those promising ones, you know? So See, I think that's it the good. thing that I think carried me to playing against you in the championship of the league we're talking about. Um, you're talking about the dynasty league. We're talking about the other one was the league where we did the, actually it was like an auction draft, which was confusing to me because I'd never yeah. done one of those when we first started it. And I would like put my bid yeah, in. It's extra confusing when people don't show oh, up. Oh yeah. We had Juan, <laughs> poor Juan. You get the auto he did good though. He did pretty, pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I know he beat me at least once really bad. Um, but you know, I went the first two or three draft rounds and didn't get anybody because everybody was like bidding a lot more money than I had. And then it got to the middle of the draft and I'm like, God, I got so much more money than everybody. And I noticed that everybody started like slowing down on trying to pick people up. But I think I got a deeper team that way because I wasn't blowing so much money on like the elite players. Um, I I really think that helped me a lot. And, those are kind of two approaches to it also. Like one is it helps when everybody shows up because when you have the auto draft going on, it screws mm-hmm. stuff up. Definitely mm-hmm. screws stuff up. But, uh, if we, when you, even when you have everybody there or whatever, uh, you, you either go superstars and then scrubs for most of your team, but you get those key guys yeah. or you let more of the superstars go and you get that depth all around. Like, running back this year, there wasn't much depth to it. So, if you didn't have good running backs, you were pretty screwed. But there were some guys you could grab that made the difference. I don't remember who you ended up having. But, like, for me, I I went for the superstar way. And I got um, uh, Christian McCaffrey, which was a big part of what made my team there. And I ended up grabbing Russell Wilson because I didn't want to get crap for quarterback. Because that's one thing I always end up doing is getting crap for quarterback. And he just ended up being a stud this year. Um, he had, you know, a few kind of weak spots, but I finished the, I finished the season with Aaron Jones and Kenyon Drake at my running back position and Kenyon Drake. See, Aaron Jones is what made you throughout the season. Yeah. And then Kenyon Drake coming on at the end. He came on at the end. That's why just him alone, I think is why I had such a lead because he had like a massive 40 point game for me the week before. Yeah, he had a string of games like that. It was crazy, especially on a team that had David Johnson just sitting on the bench at that point, basically, and not because of injury. That was just strange, but worked out. That's that's the thing is your team isn't done when you draft. That's the smallest part of it. Like, you get some key spots and whatever, but if you're not working throughout, then you're not going to do well. Like, nobody's going to win a season without, you know, making good pickups throughout and stuff like that. Yeah, it's fun. I'm going to apply even more attention this year for the for especially for the dynasty league to try to build it up because i i really i'm surprised i actually enjoy it as much as i have because i don't follow sports as closely as you do i mean we open the game 
I mean, the podcast tonight talking about you're watching football <laughs> and I've been in there watching The Witcher with my family and, uh, I haven't even thought about football, but, but at the same time, it's, it's fun. I'm actually, I keep, I still follow it and I used to be really deep into following sports. I listen to sports radio every day, all day long and just be on top of everything from baseball to basketball, football and, you know, even listen to them when they talk about hockey and stuff, but, it's just one of those things that I don't follow as closely as I used to, you know, but, but it's fun. It, it's yeah. really fun. And I kind of want to find some people that want to do basketball. Cause I, that seems, cause that's my, that was always my number one sport growing up. I liked football. I loved playing football, but I really loved basketball. That was always my passion, you know, and, uh, yeah, I'd be down for that. I think maybe we should maybe start up a basketball league when it comes up. Yeah, I would be game for that definitely. So, yeah, so I um I don't watch a lot of football either. We're you know just mentioning that I've watched more this year because the 49ers have actually been good, and uh, because I have Verizon, you can watch football games for free on your phone. Uh, so any televised games, there have been a lot of televised 49er games, so I you know make it work to watch those. Uh, but since it's in the playoffs, I was searching around for ways to get free streaming TV, like with free trials. So I'm on a two-week free trial for uh, YouTube Live, which uh, so far is working pretty good. Um, I think it's, uh, I forget the exact price, but I think it's like 50 bucks a month normally, which, I mean, compared to cable, that's good. But you get like the free cloud DVR service with up to 50 oh, hours. Wow. And uh, I mean, for me, the only thing I'm going to care about is really sports. Like, you know, the way we watch stuff, nobody waits week to week for shows anymore for the most part, yeah. you know. My wife certainly doesn't do that, and I don't I don't tend to stick with stuff too much. Like I, I don't, I don't like to be tied down to something, I guess, you know, like if I want to be into it, I'll be into it. And if I am not in the mood, I want to be able to just not think about it, you know? But, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'm doing this for a couple weeks. I'll probably find another one to do for a couple more weeks to watch, uh, the end of the playoff run. But this is, it's just, it's pleasurable to me to be able to sit here and watch football on a TV instead of on a phone screen, which is how I usually watch it. So, yeah. Yeah. You messaged me earlier and said you're excited about a lot of things. Are are you still excited? A lot of different things, too. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about one of them. We're kind of talking around. The, yeah, uh, so I'm excited about football, but the reason I'm excited about football is the 49ers uh, went from very bad to they're the best team in the NFC, uh, and oh my gosh, the game last week against the Seahawks that was for the division, and for the 49ers it was for the number one seed, whereas the Seahawks would have been, if they won, they still would have been the like third or fourth seed, so they, w- they wouldn't have gotten a bye. But uh, it came down to, I, I knew it was going to go like this. The 49ers were looking great. They had a lead, but they couldn't get more than, a, I think, a 13-point lead at halftime. And the game just kept staying close. And then it gets like, it's getting right down towards the end of the game, but the 49ers keep on answering. But it gets down to the Seahawks get within, I think it's within five. And the 49ers, um, they're kind of starting to drive, and they get what would be a, a either a first down or at least a good gain. And they get a penalty called that was just kind of, it was unfortunate. I mean, like, you can't argue with the penalty, but it was, wasn't, uh, an, a penalty from bad intentions. Uh, a 
lineman got downfield and threw a block, but the play wasn't there yet because the play got stopped up short, yeah, basically. Yeah. So penalty called. Uh, that held them back. So they ended up uh, – they had a big, like, draw play and almost – they were a yard away from the first down. That first down probably would have ended the game a lot less stressfully. But instead, they get stopped just short. They have to punt it, and they can't stop Seattle. And Seattle gets down to uh, first and 10 from the 12, and there's, like, something like 45 seconds. There's enough time that Seattle doesn't have to worry, but little enough time that San Francisco pretty much has to stop them. They can't let them get in because it would be a super long shot at that point. So they get down to fourth and 10. Seattle gets a first down, not a touchdown, not a – they get stopped. They get a first down in a two-yard gap. So, of course, the, the, the stress has to continue. They get, uh, oh gosh, so they get that first down. They weren't really expecting it. They end up getting a delay of game. So they go from first and goal from the one to first and goal on the six, which probably saved the game for the 49ers. And it ends up getting down to fourth and goal. And uh, I think it was a tight end for the Seahawks caught the ball like within the one yard line and just got tackled so hard right at the goal line by the 49ers linebacker who just barely, barely kept him out by just by a hair. It was ridiculous. So they reviewed it. The 49ers got the ball, but they still even had to get out of the end zone to end it. And uh, they did so on a quarterback sneak, but it was there's been a few games that have been that stressful to watch. This is the first one that I've watched that my team won. That was that stressful. Yeah. The the only other one I could think of that was that stressful to watch that my team won was uh, game seven of the NBA championships, Lakers and Celtics in 2010, yeah. where that game was just, it was stressful the whole way. But I mean, that was for everything. This was for a lot, but it was for the, you know, for the division, not for, uh, you know, the, the Super Bowl, you know, not for the NFC championship, which is the last time I got my heart ripped out by the Seahawks in a game that really yeah. mattered. But isn't that, but isn't yeah, that the I, best thing about watching sports and having a team that you follow? Like, like it's nice to see it, your team do well and just blow out everybody. But the real having that anxiety in a close game, yeah. especially a game that means something near the end of the season to make the playoffs or, to get to the next round of the playoff or playoffs and, you know, in championship game, it, when it's so close, that's the most memorable kind of sports enjoyment because it's, it's like everybody's at their peak. Everybody's doing well. And it, that's just where, yeah, it's, that's it's, where it's like, that's, that's fun as a, as a viewer and as a fan. You have to suffer, like, you have to be open to the suffering part of being a fan to really get the full joy of when things go right. I remember going back to that Lakers championship. I remember I was living in California then still, so I was, like, the Lakers were the local team where I lived. And I remember driving home from my dad's house where I went to watch Game 7 just euphoric, and everybody was euphoric. I mean, people were just, like, windows down, cheering the Lakers, uh, just like shooting each other, like thumbs up. And like, it was, it was ridiculous. Like I've never seen anything like that. And I never will again, because I don't live in the town where I care about, you know, like my, my team isn't a local team anymore for, you know, any of the oh, sports. Yeah. There are teams that I like, like I like the Bruins, but even though I'll be happy when the Bruins win, I will never experience that again. Yeah. Uh, but you have to, you have to really, really be, you know, 
if they lose, it, it's going to hurt if you're going to get that much out of it. Like the Dodgers losing the World Series to the, the Astros a few years ago. Now, it turns out the Astros cheated to win it, uh, which is freaking great to know that I got my heart ripped out because they cheated. But, uh, yeah, that was rough. And I was staying up to like 2 in the morning watching a lot of those games. And there was a, a huge storm and my roof got destroyed. And uh, there was a uh, power outage for uh, like half – we had a, our power out for like half a That's week. That's crazy. Uh, other places, uh, other, you know, some people had even uh, worse power outage. So, like, all this is going on. So, if, if the Dodgers win that, it lifts me up and helps me get through it. But them losing it was just like another weight yeah. on top of it. Yeah. Let me tell you, that was that was actually when I decided I really had to ease off some. Even though, like, now it'll still stress me out and frustrate me. Like, I gotta, I gotta tone it down a little bit just to keep a balance. Yeah, too. there's there's a point beyond investing too much into it to where it's like. Because in reality, it's 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 just a game, but at the same time, it's really fun to follow. So yeah, it's just like keeping that keeping that balance. You don't want it to you don't yeah. want something like that to ruin your entire week. But it can and it does exactly. There's more. Important I remember things. seeing a thing when the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. The Dallas economy actually boosted up. <laughs> I remember seeing a thing in the news a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, you know, there might be something to that. I don't know. But like when they would lose or they wouldn't, they have a bad season. The, the economy did bad, and then I don't know if there's anything to that. I just remember that's one of those funny news articles you'd see every once in a while. Yeah, it's it's true though. Like people people spend more when they're happy, and you know, people spending is going to be good for the the local economy. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's one of the things. Like that's a uh, that's probably the the one like undercurrent of my thoughts that's a hundred percent there right now though is the like the for football the 49ers that they are my favorite yeah yeah that's my favorite sports team period is the 49ers one of my favorite things period just in all the things i like is the 49ers yeah uh like if i had to choose between the 49ers and like my favorite comic book whatever i i think the 49ers would probably be like my number one thing period So that's pretty big for me, but uh, there's been just a lot of other things that have been getting me excited. Uh, for for Christmas, you and I decided to uh, to send each other gifts. Yes, we did, and kind of going along with the things that we've been enjoying and things we've been talking about uh, is we decided to send each other a record. So we each went on Amazon and, and bought it. That way, we're not paying money for shipping yeah. it, which yeah. uh, is a smart way to go about that. And uh, should should I tell what you got me or what I got you? Um, whichever, man. You just 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 whichever you want way you want to go with it. I mean, I'm holding mine right. right now. I'm so holding I, mine, looking at it right now. Um, I, and I, you know, so I want to, you know, I want to listen to it, but also want to frame it. I want to get one of those record frames <laughs> hang on the wall because the the cover art is just so amazing. So what I got you, and then you can talk about it a little bit, is I got you uh, uh, Johnny Cash American Recordings. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I chose that, I was debating between a lot of stuff, but I was trying to choose something that was um, was worth a, a careful listen mm-hmm. and was meaningful to me. Yes. And honestly, I looked through a lot of different things, and the trouble was is a lot of the things I would have chosen – like, if it was an artist that I would choose, the album I would choose wasn't available. Yeah. 
and so it was kind of hard to narrow it down because I was thinking of, of uh, eels. I was thinking of like yeah, all these different uh, Tom Waits, yeah. you know, the, these different artists and and whatnot that uh, meant a lot. But if it wasn't the right album, it would just be like arbitrary. It felt like you know. So I kept looking and looking. And I finally narrowed down to that Johnny Cash one because the uh, the American recordings are the ones that got me into Johnny yeah, Cash. Yeah, yeah. It was actually American Three was the first one I ever listened to, and uh, a friend of mine had it and let me borrow it back in the days where you had CDs and you had to borrow a CD to, to listen to what somebody else had, not just turn on Spotify and you know download it, um, and. Like, that was kind of my, my first touch there. It was a little later that I got really into Johnny Cash, but it wasn't that much later I got my first record player, and the first record I ever got, which is one I would really love to find, is Live at San oh, yeah. Quentin. Yeah. Uh, since uh, my mom got me a record player uh, a little while back, like, just kind of one of those cheap suitcase ones you can get on a good sell, which is what she did, but it's totally awesome. It gave me a way to start doing this again. The first record I got was Live at Folsom. Mm-hmm. So good, but not not the one that was uh, kind of my first experience. But anyways, the American recordings, like American Three, had a lot of great songs. Some songs they covered, so it kind of gave me a way to connect more with music I wasn't familiar yeah, with. Yeah. Um, but then going back to American recordings, obviously that's what started it all. Rick Rubin tapping into Johnny Cash, helping him revitalize his career, and I feel like those all of those American recording sessions uh, really are they get to the heart of the music more than old recordings do. Like that's why I like the live old Johnny Cash records better than the studio stuff is you get a lot more heart in the music. The studio stuff just sounds so subdued. Yes. Back in those days, yeah. you know, that's a, uh, Oh, I got so much that touch. You touch on so many different things. that mean so much to me. Um, one of them is the, the live recording aspect. Um, there's a there's an artist that I almost got you, and it's just because I love him so much. I want to share it with you. You might not like him, um, but his name is Towns Van Zandt. But all of his like studio recordings that he did don't even touch the live recordings. The live recordings are just so special and awesome. Um, Cash was very important to me growing up because when I was a little tiny kid, I had a cousin named Danny who died unfortunately when he was 27. And, uh, some of my fondest memories of being a little kid is going over to his house and his parents had a huge record collection and a record player in his room. And we would go in there and he'd either play like his, uh, parents, Elvis Presley records or the number one thing we'd listen to though is Johnny Cash. And you mentioned two of those albums, the, 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 the Folsom prison and the San Quentin, um, and we would listen to them over and over and over. And, you know, I'm, this is me when I'm a little tiny kid, like eight or nine years old. And that's what we would do for fun. Um, cause music was like, I think that's one of the reasons music is so important to me now is back then. It, that was just like, he thrived on it. Kind of like I, how I tell you how my youngest daughter, Delilah, um, she thrives on music because she can't see and just the, the, she can remember everything she hears. But, uh, when you gave me this and we, we recorded, do you want to add those in at the, like the end of the episode or end of this segment here? We're talking about, we each did it like an opening recorded it. <laughs> yeah. We'll do that. Yeah. I had kind of a, di- a different, uh, 
idea of how it might come together, but we just didn't get a chance to record about our presence before Christmas. Unfortunately, so that'll work yeah. a little, little uh, teaser at the end. But yeah, I had fun because I had Sammy come in and open it with me. So, and he's been getting into it too, which is really cool. Like, uh, just he he connects with music so much different than most kids do, which I think you've experienced with Delilah yeah. too. Uh, he. Like Christmas music, for example, you expect a kid that young to just like the really kiddie stuff, right? You know, like that's going to be their favorite stuff. He loves the, um, the stuff you wouldn't expect, the stuff that comes off like really jazzy and, um, more like, you know, heartfelt yeah. and, um, like he, he loves Christmas, but he definitely, like, he prefers like, the kind of quality of Christmas music that adults would typically like over the stuff that's just, you know, placating the kids. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been really cool. But, but um, this, yeah, anyways, sorry, but, go this, ahead. but this album, when you gave it, when I opened it up and see, this is the American recording series with Johnny cash is what introduced you to him. But for me, it's the album series produced by Rick Rubin that, reintroduced or introduced actually because it introduced you to somebody that was so important to me growing up. Um, it, it just everything about it. Just the, the, every song on it has some of my favorites. Um, it's got Delia's gone. The let the last train blow the whistle, but like my favorite song, the beast in me is a Bonnie Prince Billy song which I know we've connected on mm. loving Bonnie Prince Billy, but we've talked about him before. Um, there 13, which is the why me Lord. Um, I heard Chris Christopherson say, um, Johnny cash made a fun. That's a, that's a Chris Christopherson song. And, uh, he said, Johnny cash made a song, a joke about God saying, why me Chris or something like that for writing it. um, <laughs> but this is also good. The man who wouldn't cry. And I opened this up and it's like I said, the artwork on it is just, that's something you lose in this just going all digital and just everything's on your phone and you listen to it. The artwork having this thing in my hand, it's just cash in a long black trench coat with his hands held out in this kind of really ominous way. His hair's all mess big sky behind him with his name above and he's got two dogs sitting right next to him. It's just like amazing. So I want to thank you. That yeah, it, it feels very personal, right? Yeah. Like every, the music, the photographs, like everything about it feels very personal. Like you're really being allowed into, Oh, even the, you it, know, like if you were just sitting there playing as a guitar and singing, that's what it feels even like. Even The packaging of it, opening it up. This is something you don't get on the, top side of the the dust jacket it's his hand on a table that's just like a a blank table so it's his hand and then there's a like a listing of where the songs who wrote it like 13 was written by glenn danzig uh the beast and me oh actually the beast and me was written by nick lowe i'm sorry i said that wrong earlier i know that the, yeah i know the bonnie prince billy song that he did was uh uh, I see a darkness. Yes, that's the one. So you caught me off guard because I I was gonna say I didn't realize that that was Bonnie Prince Billy because he could have done more I got than one up. Bonnie Prince Billy song. But yeah, yeah, that I see a darkness that was on. Um, I, I believe that was on American Three. Yes. So the first Johnny Cash that I heard 
had that song. That was well before I knew who Bonnie Prince Billy was. I didn't know who he was until he did um, the hook on a Sage Francis song, but he did it under his actual name, Will Oldham. And uh, it took me a while to put those pieces together, and that got me listening to Bonnie Prince Billy a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking here at who... It's got a Tom Waits song on here, Down There by the Train, which is classic. Um, Tom Waits. Um, there's some, Johnny Cash wrote some of the songs on here as opposed to like some of the later records is mostly covers. Um, but yeah, Chris Christopherson, Nick Lowe. I don't know who that is. The first song is Dilly is gone. D Toops and K Siversdorf. I think that's a really old song. Maybe I don't know. I just appreciate it. It's nice. But on the opposite side, you see handlet written lyrics. And actually, not lyrics. Yeah. It's handwritten really notes about. It's like his personal journal. It's a six pages of where he wrote out on notebook paper the recording process, and you can read it in his handwriting in 1994, March 1994. So I really appreciate it. And I, I got you. I went the other route. You got something for me that you connected to personally. And with something that you'd have to have a deep listen to, I went out on a limb and you knew I liked Johnny Cash when you got this for me. And I, I almost got the exact same record for you. Honestly, I thought about it. <laughs> and it was really kind of a fun, fun thing to do. But I went out on a limb. It's like, no, I'm going to give you something that I know, pretty sure you probably know who they are, but it's something that means a lot to me because this one album is so special to me. And I got you uh, Wilco, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which came out in 2001. And why that album means a lot to me is at that time I was working in a bookstore. And when I first got hired, and it was during September 2001, right when the World Trade Centers got hit. And the album was supposed to have been released, I think, that week. I think it got pushed. Um, and even on the cover of the album, there's two towers on it. Uh, but over and over, because, you know, in big chain bookstores, you got to set track list of stuff that you're supposed to play. And this is one of them. And I finally, I listened to it every day. And it just got in, built into my brain, listened to these songs. And I was like, I went to the music manager of the store. And I was like, what is that? He's like, oh, it's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. And I was like, oh, okay. So that started me on that journey of like finding out first getting that album and then digging to, they only had a couple albums before that. Uh, the lead singer who's really the heart of the band is named Jeff Tweedy. He's in a band that's kind of like the cutting edge alternative country band, Uncle Tupelo with a guy named Jay Farrar. Before that, until they had a falling out and they're from up in uh, the Illinois area, Chicago, Illinois kind of area. And, uh, you know, it's one of those bands that I just, that's one of those that I found and I stuck with, but that album there is like, for me, it's like a perfect album because I can just hear the first, first sound from a song. and I know what it is. Uh, and it's just, I just want to, it, it kind of led me on a musical journey away from kind of some of the stuff I was listening to at the time. And I just enjoyed the heck out of it. So I shared something with you that 
I didn't know if you'd like it. I hoped you would like it. Yeah, and uh, it's the kind of thing that if I just stumbled across on my own, I may not have given it a good enough listen. Because um, it's uh, definitely not up my my typical alley with music. Like, I I typically like, um, like underground or old school hip hop. And then, like, aside from that, like, if it's, you know, rock stuff, it, it typically it has to have, like, some strong quirkiness to it. Like, something that is really distinct, like Tom Waits yeah, or, yeah. like... Uh, Johnny Cash really stands out. Um, so the other stuff is harder for me to get into. It's not that there isn't a lot of value there. Like jazz, for example, I've, I've never been able to get into jazz. Um, because I try to randomly pick something to listen to and I'm like, I don't know why I should care about this, you know? So with this one, and I also like that you told me to listen to the music. Yes. Cause typically what I'm going to pay the most attention to to start off with is the lyrics. And I don't think that that would have drawn me in enough. To start with. So I was just really listening to it, listening to the music. Um, and I've listened through the record at least once, maybe a couple of times, but I've listened to it on Spotify a couple of times also. Um, actually, Christmas Day, I went and took a walk and uh, walked way down my street, like, I don't know, a mile and a half down and back uh, each way. You know, it was like a mile and a half. So it was a, a good length of time. And, uh, on one way I listened to the album I gave you. And on the other way I listened to the album you gave me. Um, but it just, the music is, um, there's a lot of layers to what's going on. So it is really interesting, but it's the kind of thing that I would typically probably not really let sink in enough mm-hmm. on my own, you know? So, I, I do enjoy it. I'm glad you you got me something that was uh, different for me in a challenge. Um, and I definitely so Wilco's funny because I, I knew the name Wilco and that literally was all I could tell you about Wilco is that's their name. Um, but when I started working uh, where I still work, it was two years after this album was released and we were playing it then because this was like right in the vein of the type of music that that we played there but i've always done a really good job of just absolutely not absorbing the music that's being played uh because if you pay too much attention to it it can also drive you nuts and so it just most of the time the music is playing it's just kind of in the background i'm focused on what i'm doing or the people around me not music you know so uh it's interesting that i could have heard this or songs from this at least as much as i'm sure i did and um, not have any recollection of any of it. So. Yeah. And another interesting <laughs> thing about interesting. this album is if you went back and listened to their first album that they did as a band, you probably would not like want to listen to it at all. But then, the, you know, next album, they kind of got a little bit more experimental. And then this one, they just went nuts. And so much so that they their label just dropped them the record they they dropped it and it's like okay and they gave them the album they paid the record label paid for the album to be made and said we're not releasing this and they're like well something happened and they ended up released they signed up with a with another uh smaller uh record label that puts that kind of things out and uh there's a documentary that came out in 2002, right after. Uh, this is directed by Sam Jones, and they were actually being followed around. And it followed, it's really, 
you know, music documentaries are hit or miss, but this one's kind of interesting because it, at one point, the band actually is like a really hard spot where it's about to fall apart because there's a guy named Jay Bennett, who's a guitarist who really wanted to have more control over things. And then there's, like I said, Jay, Jeff Tweedy, who's like the heart of the band. And he's like, they weren't getting along and uh it kind of follows their kind of little bit headbutting each other and then the whole thing like okay you're we're not releasing your album and then how they had to go about and uh showed them playing live and stuff like that it's it's worth a watch it's called i'm trying to break your heart which is one of the lyrics off the of the song so it's one of the songs on the album but but yeah I, i appreciate it man thank you yeah, thank you. And then you followed up with uh, a secondary surprise, and you sent me Wu Tang Enter the Thirty Six Chambers. Yeah. yeah, I did that because <laughs> which is- I was nervous because I was I instead of going with something I knew you'd probably like, I went out on a limb and was like, okay, I'm going to force something on you that I love, but you might not like. So I wanted to, and I actually I, I, I got <laughs> I got a good payday, and I was like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> I'm going to send him pull a backup just to make sure he's happy with what I sent him. Well, your, your first intuition was right. Like, I like being challenged. I, it's easy for me to go out and get something I know that I'm going to like. It's a lot harder for me to discover something that's different. I think that's true for all of us. But uh that was a nice surprise. I was already planning on, uh I sent you three live Tom Waits recordings yeah, which are uh, amazing. on CD that I had gotten. And I found, uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I found 75% off at, uh, at Bull Moose Music, which is a, a small local chain here. Um, uh, 45 that on one side is Bonnie Prince Billy. Yeah. And, uh, do you recall the name off the top of your head I of the other side? I can't remember the name. I, I, I listened to it and then I looked into who it was. I can't remember the name. No. I listened. Yeah. I'll have to get it for next time. I was looking to see if I could find the 45 quickly, but I don't see it handy. Um, but it, uh, it's a German folk artist. Yeah. So they basically, swapped songs to do on the 45 which is really cool but i believe that the the song that bonnie prince billy did was actually a song that the german band uh did that was written by bonnie prince billy so he actually wrote it in the first place the german folk uh artist or band or whatever did the song that was written by bonnie prince billy in german and then bonnie prince billy covered his own song essentially in english (laughs) that's funny but um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So I was able to get us both a copy of that for for pretty cheap, and you know, through through some comics I had building up in there as well. Yeah, but yeah. So that was a uh, some good. I haven't listened to Thirty Six Chambers yet because it's not really the kind of music I can listen to around Sammy. No. But he's almost back in school. No, so. <laughs> you'll get to. Yeah, Glorio. That's the song, isn't it? That's... Yeah. yeah, that's the one. And uh, really did. In the vein of records, I Broder, uh, the Broder other day my Gilman. wife and I. There you go. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. The other day, my wife and I went to a flea market, and I used to be excited about flea markets for the sake of finding comics. But one of the things I've learned is, for the most part, at flea markets now you find uh, people who think that they can sell crappy comics for a bunch of money oh, yeah. because yeah, they don't really know what the heck they're doing. Yeah, you go to somewhere and you find uh, bins full of $5 comics that are poorly kept and garbage in the first place. Yeah. So, like, I, that's really a lot of I first got into Valiant but... Comics, and I was a sucker, 
and I'd somebody would be trying to sell on an early Valiant comic for two bucks, I'd fall for it when, you know, a buck. I mean, for the most of them, except for like special issues, a buck. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's what like my my new kind of status quo for that is if uh, if the comics are uh, you know a mess of just stuff crammed in boxes, if they're like a buck a piece, look at them. You know, if they're being even two bucks, like take a look at them. But if they're priced like okay, you start going through like okay, this isn't bad, like a buck, buck fifty, two bucks a comic, whatever. But then you start getting ones that are like four bucks and six yeah. bucks. No, they, they don't know what the heck they're doing. If they knew what they were doing, they would have them in an orderly manner so you could like easily look through what you wanted. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so I, I, like my, my excitement with flea markets has dwindled. Um, records is now kind of a new thing. It's like I, I used to get some records like back when I lived in California, but, uh, then my record player broke. We moved to Maine. I never got around getting another one. So, like, I still, like, I'd always kind of be like, oh, man, I wish I could look at records and, you know, actually have a reason to get one. But now I can. You know, yeah. it's like that's a new thing again for me. But then once again, like, the majority of what you find at a, at a flea market or whatnot is just a bunch of old garbage. And a lot of times people overprice it because they know people are out looking for records. So they think they can... You know, price their uh, their old worn out Johnny Mathis records that are dirty as hell because they've been in like a basement for twenty years. Um, they're in poor condition. They think they can sell them for five bucks. Oh each. yeah, yeah. Maybe somebody will buy them for five bucks each. But I sure as hell I'm not gonna pay five bucks for Johnny Mathis. You know, I'll listen to. Well, I won't listen to Johnny Mathis. But if I did, I would just go on Spotify. Yeah. But uh, so this one that we went to though, it's a it's a flea market that I like better because. Typically, you find stuff and the prices are reasonable. And I haven't found much there for comics in a while. Um, I did grab a couple comics, actually, a couple of Spider-Man that were decent. But uh, there's this one vendor there that has records. And they're both times I've bought records from them, they've been on sale 20% off. Uh, but they are 5 bucks or 8 bucks, hmm. And they're in good condition. And they're good artists, not just a bunch of the crap that everybody bought, yeah. you know, the, I don't know, bread, a bunch of bread or, you know, I mean, stuff like that. I, I don't want to listen to that stuff. Like, it may have some value to it, but, like, that's the kind of stuff that I would just listen to for free on Spotify mm -hmm. rather than buy a record. But so this time I went, I dug through, and I found three things I was pretty darn happy with. Um, one, I got Neil Young with Crazy yes. Horse. Uh, yes. I like Neil Young, always a good listen. Uh, down by the river, cinnamon grill, a couple, oh, yeah. uh, couple of the good ones on there. Uh, so that's nothing, nothing amazing, but Neil Young's good. And it was, it was a five dollar record, twenty percent off. So it's only four bucks, in good shape, you know. Happy about that. Now the one I was most excited to find was Leon Redbone. Yeah, I didn't know who Leon Redbone was until he died recently. Uh -huh. If I, uh, yeah, so he died recently, and then I saw people tweeting about him, so I checked him out and. He's definitely the definition of uh, interesting music. Uh, got a lot of character to it. Um, this record, it is from branch to branch, and he does a lot of songs that you'd be familiar with, like, uh, let's see, Your Cheatin' Heart mm -hmm. yeah, by Hank Williams, uh, My Blue Heaven. Uh, I loved that song when I was uh, when I was a kid. My dad always listened to like the oldies and... As a song I liked a lot. And a few, a few other ones that I, like, you would easily recognize. Um, yeah, so, like, that album was a real good find. Once again, on sale for four bucks. 
And then I found a Duke Ellington record for four bucks also. And like I said, I've had the hardest time trying to listen to jazz. But getting a record of Duke Ellington and just slowing down and listening to it, that's exactly what you need to do. I mean, that seems to me kind of what the the type of mood that jazz suits, right? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I think I found my way. And just the hard thing is, is being able to find decent records at a decent price to where like, if you like, you know, taking a risk four bucks on a Duke Ellington record, that's in good shape. If I bought one that was in crap shape for four bucks and I didn't really care for it, I would have felt like I lost on that deal. Buying one in good shape, even if I listed someone like, I don't really care for it. It's like, well, still, you know, it was a, it was a fine value. It was, it was worth trying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was my next little story there. I've continued on with the, the records and. One last little record that I got. Um, I went to Barnes Noble because they have a bunch of stuff on 50% off. And they have a bunch of records 50% off. And I looked through and there's a bunch that I was like, this would be decent. But a record of Barnes Noble 50% off is still like 15 bucks. But I found um, A Tribe Called Quest, People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm. Wow. Their first album, yeah. That's awesome. So I grabbed that. I haven't opened the record yet, but on the way home, I was with my son and I put it on Spotify and, um, like one, I was a little tentative putting a hip hop on because like, you know, Tribe Called Quest doesn't get, you know, too over the top, but still, you know, hip hop tends to have some, uh, you know, they're more likely to have profanity. I've listened to Tribe Called Quest. Like I know that they have, you know, some profanity in their music, but listening to this one, we listened through quite a lot of the album. There wasn't one swear word in it. I was very surprised. They were great. And it's not that we're worried about any any profanity. You know, like whatever. He's going to hear some, but uh, like he's been loving. Uh, my wife wanted to get an Elton John CD after we watched the the Rocket Man movie, yeah. and he loves it. And the song uh, "The Bitches Back." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't know what it's saying. No. And one he we've listened to it a hundred times probably in the car. And one day he's like, I like this song. It sounds like a superhero song. I'm like <laughs> It does. Okay. <laughs> it really does though. He's he's right about that. It, it's it's got energy and intensity. Yeah. That's that's not wrong, that's for sure. Yeah. He just um, uh, lucky but, uh, thing is he uh, doesn't know how to use the word in a sentence other than that, so hopefully he won't use that at school or something like that. Yeah. Well and I don't think he's gathered the word. Oh. Uh, the word bitch. Yeah. So even though they say it, you know, Elton John says it like a thousand times yeah. in that song. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it just blends in. He can't pick out what the word is. So yeah. So that's uh that's been, I've been having a heck of a good time with records lately. And that's, that's not even all the things I'm excited about lately, but what are you excited about? I've talked enough. No, no. I want to hear about the next thing. Cause you got me on a roll here. I'm the, you got me excited. <laughs> what, what, what's next? Yeah, I know you got some so cool the next comic book finds. You said uh, you shared on Twitter a day or two ago. You found a uh, uh, six or seven comics in a series. Yeah, well, I, it was uh, bundled at uh, at this other flea market. That so yesterday, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, a couple days ago. I don't remember. Uh, my wife and I went to yeah, it was yesterday. We went to a couple of flea markets, and the first one I remembered being one I liked better. But then we went there, and I was kind of like, yeah, I. I wasn't impressed. Um, kind of fun to look around, but nothing really that we wanted to buy. My wife found one thing at least, so it didn't, didn't seem too bad. But then we swung by another one that I've been to before that I know has a vendor that has comics that are 
interesting and at least decently priced enough that even even if it's not a great deal, it'd be like, I would be happy buying this one comic for this price, but I wouldn't go and buy everything that's decent, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went there, and that was the guy where um, he had a bundle of the six issues of the second run of uh, Moon Knight. Yeah. For seven dollars, so like really sold. That's a dollar, you know, like a, a buck fifteen an issue, basically. Um, you know, not not very expensive per issue. I like Moon Knight, and they were in very decent shape. So I was like, okay, that's good. And then I also found a, a pre uh, relaunch X Men issue is in rough shape, but it was only five bucks. Yeah, and I probably will never get that issue otherwise. So like, yeah, five bucks for it. I think it's like. 61 or something like that you know it's water damage like usually i hate 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 water damage comics but i was like for five bucks for that it's cheap enough that just who cares you know but uh anyways that that wasn't what i was going to go to next was that but um like the the other thing that really has me excited right now i'm going to talk about a book but this is also going to relate to music so i've been reading the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay which we've talked about before um I started reading it like at the beginning of summer and I just, it was so hard for me to move on it. And it wasn't anything about the book, but I've had the hardest time focusing on reading for a long time, many years. Um, This isn't anything new and it's been a struggle and it's very, very frustrating to me. Uh, I used to read prolifically. There was one year that I read over 70 novels um, and I just like, I, I couldn't get going on anything this uh, last year, I guess. So 2019, I read one book. To the end. And now it wasn't a very long one. It was the bell jar. It was like 200-ish pages. So it's short enough that like you read the first page and you're already like, I'm getting close to the end, you know? (laughs) Um, This book is almost 700 pages. It's 678 pages. Yeah, it's a dense book. And I just working through it, working through it. I was enjoying it, but I could, like, I had the hardest time staying focused. And one day I was driving somewhere, uh, I think for work, going to pick something up from another store. And I was listening to a podcast, and it was talking about um, – it's actually uh, ESPN Daily, which is hosted by Mina Kimes, who's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking to somebody about chess grandmasters and about how physically taxing being a chess grandmaster really? is. Because they have these long, long games. Oh, yeah. But the amount of um, the amount of work their brain is doing requires so much – oxygen that their body like they have to be healthy and it's draining and they'll they'll lose massive amounts of weight going through these tournaments and stuff it's crazy uh but just uh her talking to this guy about these different grandmasters and what they do to like get the optimum like optimal oxygen to their brain and all these things just kind of got me thinking like you know there's a lot of things that can impact how my mind works you know so i was thinking about you know like breathing better you know thinking about breathing more so like i'm you know kind of getting a better habit with that but I just had this thought of like, you know, I wonder about music to help you focus. So I Googled that, like, you know, what is music that can help you focus or I don't know, something like that. And I found an article and the first thing it mentioned were binaural beats. Yes. I want to hear about this. I had, I had never heard of this before. Um, but it was talking about how like, you know, people use this to help retention. And that's really been my problem with focusing is, uh, like, I can read, but I'm not retaining, like, in the moment what I'm reading very well. So, like, it's it's very frustrating to just read very much. Um, so, what binaural beats are, and you have to wear headphones to do it, but it puts um, two different frequencies, like, one in each ear, and there's a certain gap between them. 
Um, and there's a lot of like studies going on with this, I guess. I haven't read super deep into it. Um, but different ranges, I guess, can kind of have different effects on you depending on kind of what you're trying to do, whether you're trying to study or whether you're trying to energize or whether you're trying to unwind those kind of things. But I was like, you know, what the hell? I'm going to give it a try. So I went on Spotify, searched it and found like a playlist and did it. And it just like, have you ever used a tens unit? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Like you have the little electric pads you put on your muscles. It gives you a little zap and it, it, um, makes your muscles relax because it's like periodically like little jolts of electricity is stimulating, but then relaxing. So, uh, it's, it's like a physical therapy thing. Um, I, I have, uh, my mom had actually bought one at a yard sale and I was having back problems and she sent it to me. Um, you can actually buy like icy hot makes like, uh, portable personal tens units that like stick on your back, like an icy hot patch. You put this little battery pack on it. Um, but yeah, so like what a tens unit does is it gives you these little shocks of electricity and it relaxes your muscles because of that. Like stimulus goes away. Stimulus goes away, like rhythmically, you know? And that does a lot to relax your your muscles and it's using physical therapy and stuff. That's like what binaural beats is for mm. my brain. So by listening to this, you get these two different frequencies and it just it really like soothes my brain and helps me focus. I'm able to focus in on uh, on what I'm doing more. But then the thing I found too is, uh, just periodically listening to this, yeah. I'm always more focused than I was. I don't have to be listening to it to stay focused. It's having an effect on me that's lasting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reading better. I'm staying focused better. Um, I, uh, my, my mind isn't just feeling so like, uh, chaotic that it is, um, like, my mind will feel sometimes the way, like, if uh, your muscles are super, super tensed up. Yeah. Like, it's not just, oh, my muscles are tense, but now it's like, my muscles are tense. It makes me hurt. It makes me feel wrong all over. Uh, it makes other things that aren't even related hurt. It makes me feel like I can't, like, function normal physically because, like, my shoulders are so tight, you know? It, like, affects things even indirectly, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's what it feels like with my brain. Like, my brain you know, feels like, uh, like just like that, you know, is it that kind of I can't focus well, I can't relax because there's something else you're worried about all the time. That kind of thing. Not even necessarily that it's just this like inability to relax and ability uh, to focus. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's, it's similar to having, uh, like really bad muscle tension yeah, or spasms yeah. maybe, or something like that. You know, it's not necessarily like it's, it's less bothersome to like, I fell down and hurt my arm and I know my arm hurts than it is to be like, I ache all over and I have this tension and I don't know what to do about it. Mm. It's like that in my brain, right? Yeah. So this is like the, the tens unit, it relaxes it. And like, once you're able to relax, then you're like, Oh, like I feel, I know how to function again. That's what it's like. It's crazy. Like I cannot believe the effect that it's had on me. I read through over a hundred pages of this book in three days. Awesome. I haven't had that pace reading in forever. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's just been really amazing. I can't believe the effect that it's had on me. Um, I also can't believe that, uh, the Titans are one point up on the Patriots <laughs> with 15 seconds to go and they just punted the ball to like the half yard line. Oh, God. So it's either going to be the most amazing Patriots win ever or, uh, 
the Patriots are going to lose in the wild card round of the playoffs that they haven't even played in in a decade. Wow. Crazy. But anyway, yeah, so the, that's that's been the hugest thing to me. Like, I feel like this is having the kind of impact on me that um, some of my, like, dietary changes have had where I realized that there were things I were eating that were making me feel awful, you know? It's like I I can't overstate the effect that uh, that this has had on me overall. It's just fantastic. So all these wonderful things are like happening at the same time, and part of it is that like with this, I have the clarity to um, to see that they're like to to see all the things that are going on. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'll just check that out. That's it's interesting because you know I've had jobs, and I'm actually I've been talking to you about it. I've had the jobs that are like extremely physical, hard labor. I'm doing one right now. I've been sharing your pictures of how this fence I'm building and you look at the picture. Oh yeah. But it's a, it's enormously physical. I'm having to, we're carrying this heavy pipe. We're building this fence. I'm having to like put, get down on the ground. And I mean, I'm, I'm getting to be an older guy and it's, it's hard to be, I'm having to lay on the ground and weld upside down on these really low, uh, joints a pipe and get it move around and do all this stuff. And it's like exhausting so much so that I came home and fell asleep at eight o'clock the other night. Um, I could have fell asleep at three o'clock today because I was just so exhausted from yesterday, you know, but it's mm-hmm. funny how that's one kind of exhaustion, but the mental exhaustion you get from less physical things is also exhausting. And I think you hit upon, I never really realized it, how much, because like you're talking about um, the chess players, the grandmasters, when they're using so much oxygen to uh, fuel their brain, that is where that exhaustion, because I mean, I've had jobs where it's more of a mental aspect of, you know, working all day. You know, like in a bookstore, it's not necessarily that physical other than being on your feet all day. But at the same time, you're having to interact with people all the time. And you have to solve problems and do this and that. That kind of thing can make you just as exhausted at the end of the day as somebody that's, you know, driving 80 T-posts into the ground or something like that. And that's 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 interesting. I'm going to check this binaural beats thing out. I meant to do it. It slipped my mind because we've been so busy. But uh, that's really cool, man. Uh, I hope it. I hope it's uh, like a next step for you that you can. Uh, move yeah, on. it's. It's it's I it, it really is making a huge difference for me. And sometimes I have something like this that'll be like uh, create a positive movement that I go like, oh, this is amazing, and you know, this is gonna be huge. And then like after a while, I realize it's kind of like a, a one off. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not as sustainably uh, important. Um. But, uh, yeah, this, like, I don't know, it's like finding, you know, realizing that you need to stretch certain muscles that, you know, that they're causing you a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's one thing that, so when I, the first article I found, which I unfortunately, um, like closed that page on my phone to like search for something else without thinking about it, because I haven't been able to find it again, but there's another thing that's similar that um, you don't have to use headphones for, but it's using like a, a rhythmic sound um, that does the same thing. And I cannot remember what it's called and I haven't been able to find it again. Oh. Um, but with that, it's the, the mentality of, uh, I guess, your brain 
works the best in the silence between sounds. Mm. Like it, it, re- it retains the most at, the, at those moments. Um, so that's another one that I was kind of interested in trying out and seeing what it does. But yeah, that's been. I, I am close to finishing this book. I'm excited to. I'm excited about like feeling like I can really go through reading books again. Yeah. Um, and start like actually getting somewhere with stuff. Just like whole new, whole new world. I feel like I have the possibility to do things I used to do that were so important to me that I haven't been able to do. That's a heck of a way to start the year out, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that makes me excited. It's a, yeah. I'm happy. It's a new year. Um, I don't want to talk really about it, but I shared something with you. It's like, I, I shared something that I still haven't wrapped my brain around. And I've told you how I've been doing this job. It's a local job. Uh, and some people moved into a house, uh, down the road. And this kind of year, part of the year is kind of my slow time. And I picked up this job building a fence for this guy. And there's this, uh, neighbor that I've known since I was a teenager. And, you know, he and his wife drive by once or twice a day and, you know, we'll stop and we'll talk to him. And he's always been a good guy. He's always been a, he's always been a very kind person. We've back when I was a kid, my dad and I, we would do jobs for him and help, you know, we cut his hay and we, when he's, when he's sick, we'd help feed his cows and do stuff like that. Um, and he's 85 years old and I'm using a, a welder that I have to borrow that's kind of shared between two or three different people in my family. And out of nowhere, he stops by yesterday and says, uh, Hey, uh, you got a key to my place, right? Cause he's giving me a key. If I have to check on something for him or stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a shed over here on this property down to the road. I want you to go down there and you can have that welder that's in there. I'm like, no, I can't do that. He's like, no, I want you to have it. I don't need it. It's written off the books. It's blah, blah, blah. I'm 85. I mean, I don't know if we do any welding. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious? And I went down there not knowing what it was going to be. It's been used 176 hours. A brand new Miller 225 welder. That doesn't mean a lot to most people. But for somebody like me that doesn't have the money to go out and buy a new one, it's like being handed $4,000 cash. And I'm still, I mean, starting, you're starting the new year out with this new gift of being able to, and I know you probably like the $4,000 too, but this is like a huge, the, the amazing generosity out of nowhere. It's not like somebody, I don't see him. I see him once um, every two or three months. And out of nowhere, he just did this. And it completely blew my mind that somebody would ever do something like that. And, uh, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, but just people's generosity. It's like the, 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 a few days before that, I got a package in the mail, unexpecting it. One, I got a wonderful box of comics from you. A lot of great Daredevil and, uh, X-Men and, that which I'm looking forward to read. I've got it right here next to me on the on the desk. And out of nowhere I get a box from Dennis full of like early I'm talking early seventies Conans. These are like mm-hmm. I kinda like I, I I collect Conan comics, but I never expected to get any of these these this early on. Issue sixteen, seventeen, eighteen 
you know, these are 20 cent comics. I never thought I'd ever be able to read these in actual physical form. And it's like, this is amazing how people can be so kind. You know, you've been very kind to yeah. me over the years. Um, you sit, you keep me, I've got so many comics. It's insane. My wife made me go buy, uh, comic boxes to put them all in because she got tired of them <laughs> stacked around. But it's just amazing. Um, yeah, it's a good beginning to the year. Yeah, you know, same thing here. I got a surprise box from uh, from our friend Jay. I'd say you, Jay, and Dennis are just have quite a few times uh, been dumbfoundingly generous. Um, and you know, the, one of the great things is is that it's it's never like a reciprocal thing. Like uh, Jay didn't Jay sent me um, he had gotten uh, the fancy new hardcover omnibus of Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise. Yeah, yeah. and he sent me the paperback one that he had. Yeah. Um, which is a fantastic gift and a big surprise. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Terry Moore also. So it's like real nice to get that. Um, th- it wasn't for any reason. I didn't, I did It's not because I sent him something a while ago. So he sent me something back, you know, it just was because, you know, the opportunity to spread some joy to somebody else. And, um, you know, he's done stuff like that for me several times. I, one time I knew he really loved, um, uh, Sean Murphy and one of the Batman books that he's doing, uh, the Sean Murphy's a local artist for me. He's, he lives down in Portland and the comic shop that I used to go to will have autographed books all the time. They just sell them. If you go to the store and buy them, they just sell them like for cover price. Um, if you buy them online, they sell them for more. But, uh, I went, I was down there for a meeting. I went by and I got one and sent it to him just. You know, definitely didn't offset anything he ever did for me because he's definitely been way more generous than I could ever be. Yeah. Um. You know, back to him because I can't like you. I could dump off all the books I've already read. Like for him, he wouldn't be interested in that. You know. Yeah. Um. But you know, just that opportunity to do something that was a surprise to him was was great. You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Dennis has done that. Uh, Dennis, when I before we, he was a friend, but we I didn't know him. He was just listening to, uh, you know, podcasts I used to do and sent me, uh, some old Ninja Turtle books. Oh, really? He sent me like, uh, issue number seven, which isn't like a crazy expensive book or anything, but it's not a, just a whatever you find for 50 cent book, you know? Um, well, heck, he sent me a, a comic that I wanted that is not a cheap book too. There was, um, the, Hulk issue with Wolverine on the cover, holding up his claws, and Hulk is reflected in the claws. Yeah, like, yeah, that's the top awesome. of Carlin cover. Yeah, yeah, he sent that. me that out of the blue, just because I was talking about how that was one of my kind of, you know, approachable grails, I guess, like a cover that I really liked that I wanted. You know, that kind of generosity just it's it's dumbfounding, and it um it makes you realize that everybody can do that, and it also helps you realize that people who act in the opposite way, uh, it just, they're not worth focusing your energy on, you know? Um, some people are always out for like, you know, how can I get the most out of this? Yeah. I was listening to something the other day. Um, you can find it. So it was a, a Ted talk. It was about the Ford method. I don't remember who the, the speaker was. Um, but Ford is, um, there's like four things. And if you are going to have a meaningful relationship with somebody, like you need to know about at least two of these four things. It's like family, occupation, um, uh, the R is recreation and the D, I can't remember the D. Um, 
So, like, you know, the kind of personal things, like, you know, you, you know what somebody does for work, but you know what their hobby is, too. So, like, you know, I might know somebody's a Patriots fan, but I know something, you know, something about their family or, you know, whatever. Um, so, you, you know those things and you build more meaningful relationships. But the other thing that stood out to me that the guy said, which is exactly how I feel, is that, you know... You make deals with people with everything that you do in one way or another. Like, uh, you know, even just social contract. Like, you know, I react, I, I do this thing and you react this way kind of a thing, right? Um, and one of the things that he said is like, always give more. And I forget exactly how he said it. Like, I liked how he said it. I wrote it down. Um, and oh, so it was like always give more and do it first. So if like I don't know, like you know, we decide uh, to trade some books or something, instead of waiting until you send my books, I send you books. But then I like I find some extra books that, to send you that I think you'll like. Um, or um, his example was like you borrow your neighbor's truck to move some furniture. Uh huh. And you, um, you return it to him with a full tank of gas and clean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you go above and beyond. You don't borrow the truck, run up, run out the gas, get it dirty and just give it back like that. You know? Yeah. Always do more than what's expected of you in, in the equation and do it first. Yeah. Um, and that's, that just like, it does like that. That's exactly how I feel about everything. Like whenever I, you know, have something that I, I want to sell to somebody that I know, you know, like I, I'll, I'll find comic books that I don't really care about keeping, but they're a good deal or something like that. And I'll just be like, Hey, is anybody interested? I'll always look to sell them for, uh, just like offsetting, like, you know, okay, kind of get my money back, but like sell them way cheaper than this person would be willing to pay for them. And that, that kind of thing, like then you end up building these like friendships and relationships with people because you do stuff like that. And then you end up being able to get a lot more out of it. But you also just like build this better structure where the, you know, people feel your support and then you end up feeling support back from them too. So. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. People are good. And yeah. in a time where the world seemed kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, it's good. And it makes me want to try to be do the same thing when I can. So, yeah. There's a TED Talk I saw recently. I can't remember the name of it. I see the article I found it in. It's by Sean Aker. And it's tell, it's, he talks about how to be more productive. But it's not this kind of stuff you normally are told to do. It's being productive by being happy choose happiness now rather than pursuing success constantly Mm -hmm. instead of okay it's kind of like he talked about how when i think he ended up getting he's from like waco texas he was just some kid from waco texas and he he applied to like harvard or something like that and he got accepted and he went there and it's like amazing everybody's so happy the first week he's like in two weeks everybody's just so stressed out and just you know, not appreciating their opportunity that, that they have. And over his life, he's like learned these little lessons, like just, this should be happy. Um, putting so much stress on the next thing. Cause like, okay, you achieve this goal immediately. Well, okay. You, you enjoy that goal success for a minute. And then next thing, okay, let's pile another load of stress on yourself. He says, don't do that. Just be happy with every little tiny thing you accomplish and stay happy about that. 
and keep working. And he said, like, <clears throat> through studies that he's done, people are more productive when they can avoid putting so much stress on themselves. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I don't remember the, the happy secret to better work habits or something like that is the name of it. And the guy's name is Sean S H A W N acre, A C H O R. And it was really funny. And he's funny, which is another good thing about a Ted talk is because if it's dry, it's not that very entertaining anyhow, but <laughs> yeah. it was really nice. But man, I've just been great talking to you. I've missed, I'm sorry I didn't get to, to, to talk to you last month. I really wanted to, but you know, holidays are I kind of a things are just as busy here. So I, I feel you there. It's good when we do. I always enjoy it. I always look forward to it. And, uh, yeah, this is kind of a, a big start to the year. Like I said, a lot of things feel different for me. I think, uh, you got a lot of good things going your way too. And, I think this will be a good year for us. Yeah, my main it's a good thing year for everybody else as well. You asked me the other day, what is your? You didn't say resolution necessarily, but what is it you're want to accomplish or something like that? Yeah, and you know, for me, it's just declutter, declutter my mind, declutter my habits, declutter, just focus on the things that mean the most. You know, and that's always an ongoing thing. I don't the resolution thing is great, but it's always like. I always try to be better and improve and make things better for your people around you and people you care about and, and, and yourself. Cause when you do that for other people, it makes things better for you, you know? So that's, that's what I'm hoping to accomplish this year. Yeah. That, that pretty much sums it up for me. My big goal is essentially decluttering my finances. So. Yeah. You and me both brother. <laughs> Declu- I think decluttering my uh, my mind has been a big part of this last year. Yep, making progress. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you for for uh, for the extra long chat here. Got me through the end of the game. And uh, yeah, well, well, happy New Year. Who won? The the Titans won. So they they punted the ball. There wasn't much time left, and uh, Tom Brady threw a pick six on the next play, trying to force it into tight coverage. Sealed it up there. Yeah. No Patriots going to the Super Bowl this year. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, anybody that listens that likes the Patriots. But... They were in the last two. They don't need to be in every one. No, they've been in plenty. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, have a good night. You have a good night, man. Bye. Bye. Okay. So... We're recording these separately as we open our record gifts that we got each other for Christmas. I have had this thing since, well, I don't know when. It's been at least two or three weeks. I've been patiently waiting to open it until I was able to get him his, which he fortunately got today in the mail. And he couldn't wait a little bit longer, so we're going to go ahead and do this. And let's see. Quite a big box, which should be expected for an album. Coming from the wonderful Amazon, which destroys everything, but no one can resist shopping at, including me. Because it's so easy. So I'm opening the box. 
with my butcher knife. Yay, it's packaged good, so hopefully it's in good shape. Good old giant bubble wrap. And oh my god. <laughs> this is all this is almost exactly I almost got you <laughs> I almost got him the exact same thing. But I opted for something a little bit different. A little bit more uh something that means a lot to me that I hope will mean a lot to him. But what I have here Oh god, that album cover this is why albums are awesome and then just for one thing is the cover. It's cash. The iconic American recording series on 180 gram vinyl from American. It's got Cash wearing a big trench coat, standing in front of a field of tall weeds and looks like maybe sunflowers or something, and with two dogs at his feet, his hands outstretched, all in black. The man in black, clouds in the sky, big white Cash above his head. And on the back, it's got a picture of black and white of them. This is a great... God, I remember this album. This is a great album. Rick Rubin produced it. Every song on this is amazing. Uh, this is a treasure. Now he, Yeah, he blew me away on this selection here. So, thank you, Paul. This is a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is lovely. This deserves to be framed. Maybe, are they frames for records? Maybe you could frame a record and then get the record out easily because that deserves a place of honor that's awesome all these good songs we'll talk about the songs later when we're actually talking together because uh, each one of these is worth a little bit of talk and I, I know I for the one I selected for Paul uh, I gave him an album that has a deep meaning for me also so this is great Fantastic. Alright, here I am with Sammy. He's very excited. I got my Christmas present from Sparky and we're going to open it. Sammy likes Sparky a lot, so he's excited to see what we got. Right, Sammy? Right. Yeah. Alright, should I open it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Ugh. So I should say, what we did was we got each other records. Because we decided to start listening to records more, and he got me Yankee Hotel Foxtrot from Wilco. And I'm excited about this. I know who Wilco is, and I don't know that I've listened to Wilco much. That's, that's your words? That's my words, yeah. You see it shown on the screen there? Not me and you? Yeah, they can hear you too. Oh. What do you think about this? Didn't we get a record together? Yes. Do you remember what record we got? It was the Beatles and Super Bowl. Yeah, we got the Beatles together. We went out shopping when we were doing Christmas mm -hmm. shopping, and I ordered Super Wolf on Sparky's recommendation. That's so right. Yeah, so I'm very excited about this because I haven't listened to Wilco, but Sparky recommends some good stuff, so this is going to be good, huh? Yes, yeah, Wilco a rock star? Uh, I think they're a, a rock group band. Alright, so what do we say to Sparky? Thank you! Thank you, Sparky!
so oft it chances in particular men that through some vicious mole of nature in them by the o'ergrowth of some complexion oft breaking down the pales and forts of reason or by some habit grown too much that these men carrying i say the stamp of one defect their virtues else be they as pure as grace shall in the general censure take corruption from that particular fault this is the tragedy of a man who could not make up his mind Thank you. 